then all of a sudden my rod just goes whoosh, and I just, I see the rod, and I run to it, take it up, set the hook, and this rod just go it's just going right <laughs> in the water. It's sturgeon time on episode forty nine, brought to you by reelsandtackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Joe Horvath, and he is coming to us from Nevada. Joe, how you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Oh, um, I'm doing great, and uh, it's a real pleasure to have you on today, particularly because um, you are going to be talking about a fish that uh, we've not had on this show before uh, for our most epic uh, story here, and one that's on my bucket list as well. So just a little teaser there. I'm not going to reveal what it is, but uh, (laughs) I'm really looking forward to hearing that story. But before we uh, jump off into that, let's let's just talk about you a little bit. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, how you come to be a a fisherman out there in Nevada. Well, um, I'm originally from uh, Seattle, Washington, and um, I moved to Las Vegas about seven years ago. And Mm -hmm. um, People kind of ask me, why did you, uh, why did you move to Las Vegas? And uh, I mainly moved for work. Mainly how that's you know how most people come out here. I do uh, video and uh, audio production, okay, and camera work for the hotels out here. Oh. so um, I right now I I work for a hotel called uh, Red Rock, which is off the Strip. I did I've done a lot of work for uh, hotels that were on the Strip, but right now we I'm off the Strip right now, which is nice for traffic wise. But uh, we yeah. do a lot of like country concerts. Oh, kind of cool. like uh, Darius Rucker, Chris Stapleton, uh, you know, do camera work for them and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, so you know, I have a I have a lot of fun doing that. So, and uh, yeah, we do a lot of convention stuff too. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, out here, uh, definitely the fishing is different for me because um, being from Seattle, you know, I've been fishing pretty much all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my dad, we would mainly do saltwater fishing and mainly for, uh, uh, coho salmon. Oh, okay. And, you know, we, we would go out to, uh, the Puget Sound and we'd drop our downriggers and we would troll. Before that, we'd drop our crab traps. And so, uh, you know, even if you didn't catch any fish that day, it seems like we'd always have crabs. Oh, how cool. Yeah, they're Dungeness crabs. So those were just really, really good eating. So, um, that's one thing I miss about Seattle. Yeah. Um, yeah, the coho salmon were, were fun. I, they were never, like, too huge, but, you know, they're around, like, the 5-10 pound range, so always would have a lot of fun doing that. And then um, also, too, we would go to uh, Canada once a year, too, and we'd stay up in cabins, and we'd fish for, like, a few days up there, so that was a lot of fun, too. Now, the, the fishing in Canada, was that freshwater for, you know, smallies and pike and all that kind of stuff, or was that saltwater? No, that was, uh, that was saltwater. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, that was king salmon fishing up there. So I was just gonna say I've I've ha- actually had occasion to get out there to uh, Seattle on a couple uh, trips and uh, have you know sat right there on the uh, on the downtown area down by the uh, docks and all and looked out over that beautiful water. I- is that 
where the sound is, it's kind of that bay that comes in off of the uh, off the ocean there. That's sort of the inland saltwater, if you will. Yeah, kind of. We would we would ca- take our boats out kind of by Everett, Washington, and then go that way. So yeah, it's it's around there. Okay, so but you didn't actually have to go out through the inlet and out into the ocean proper to do this fishing, did you? No. Okay, because I've heard that inlet up there gets pretty nasty. That that can be some really rough water. Yeah, no, we we didn't want to mess with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But there's so much water, you know, so much salt water in inshore, if you will, up there. I mean, it's it's kind of almost. I don't know that it's like a great lake, but it's it's a really big body of water, right? Oh yeah, it's it's huge. Yeah, so you can just go out and. Um, and set the traps, I guess. It, now, where you do you kind of set those in deeper or shallower water and then go fish in a different area? Well, what or? I remember, we would kind of go kind of by the rocks and we would put some raw chicken in there. Mm-hmm. And we had, I, we dropped them, I think, about 50 feet. Okay, so pretty um, deep. Not, not, too, not too deep, but uh, yeah. And then we would um, just, you know, take our rods and uh, put down the downriggers and then uh, just you know, just t- kind of troll and try to find them. So, okay. And and when you're in the sound there, are they just moving all about from deep to shallow? Or are you kind of trolling drop offs or rock piles? You know, what, what are you looking for when you're fishing for those in there? When, so a lot of it is, um, you know, we're always paying attention to that fish finder. So a lot of it, you yeah. know, like my dad's, you know, uh, he's controlling the boat and I'm controlling the downriggers. So he'd mm-hmm. be on the, de- the fishing finder, like, all right, no, go to 50 feet. No, let's go to 35, you know? And so just trying to find that right, you know, the right depth and, you know, where they are right now. And usually that, that worked for us. So, right. you know, we kept, we kept active. It wasn't, you know, like uh, lazy fishing, you know, we were always, you know, <laughs> always on the move, the fish finder, you know, just kind of glued in. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, in, is there a, a season on the cohos when you're allowed to take them or not, or, or are they all? You know, here? it's it's changed so much up there. There's a lot of rules and regulations. I remember just we went up there just a few years ago to get like a few day few daily license, and it was just the amount of cost now to to get a license. It's I know my dad's told me there's a lot of I don't know right now mm-hmm. what it is, but I know it's definitely not year round, and it's only a few months. Okay. Yeah. From what I've seen of the salmon fishing up in Canada on TV shows and things, it looks like there's a very short window. Now, I know the fish are migrating and all, but they they give them a very short window when they can get out there and fish and quotas and all kinds of things. So I was just wondering if it's similar to that in in the sound there where you're fishing. Yeah, it definitely is now. Yeah, getting more so like that. And then I I presume there was a, a season on those crabs as well when you're allowed to take those. Yeah, I remember it was more definitely in like the the summertime or the, you know, cuz <laughs> Seattle, you know, 8 months out of the year it's it's raining and cold. And, <laughs> right. Uh, and then you get th- you get like kind of a 3 month window. So, uh not like here in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. When you said before, people ask you why you would uh, move to uh, to Las Vegas. Oh, well, I've I've been to Seattle in the uh, winter time, and <laughs> I know what my answer to that question would be. <laughs> it can get cold yeah, and like wet. Twenty five twenty five years in, in in rain and cold. I was like, you know, besides work, yeah, I think it's it's time to go to somewhere warmer. <laughs> time for a change. But it is. I tell you what, though, that is one beautiful place when the when the sun is out. You know, just oh, driving around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. 
Well, that's pretty neat. So um, a lot of saltwater fishing. Did you ever get to do any uh, freshwater fishing up there? You know, the not in Seattle. I feel like just me and my dad always did uh, saltwater. And mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that um, once a year we'd go to Priest Lake, Idaho, and we do uh, lake trout up there. Oh, cool. And we just do a little bit, little bit up there. But that was the only type of uh, freshwater fishing I had. So, um, when I moved here to Vegas, definitely, um, it was a huge change for me. Yeah. So let's talk about that, that transition. And, you know, you're used to fishing with, uh, you know, off, a off a boat with downriggers and probably didn't use much spin casting or any, you know, uh, traditional bass rods or anything like that. So talk about that transition and how you sort of, uh, figured all that out. Well, you know, when I moved to Vegas, I'd never done any type of uh, bass fishing or, you know, anything like that. So mm-hmm. um, it was a big change for me. Um, you know, basically it was me, like, just doing some research, um, you know, watching some YouTube videos, uh, going out there and just seeing what people were doing. And, um, you know, so then I was like, okay, well, you know, I think I'm ready. And, you know, I'd go out there and I made a few mistakes and I learned some things and then I you know, started reading more things online and then, uh, just started going out there and, you know, learning the way. Um, and then, yeah, just started, uh, you know, created kind of an, you know, an Instagram account and, uh, you know, I'm on that fish brain app. So I'm, you know, I was able to follow people and see what people were using and mm-hmm. what I was doing wrong. So, I mean, I started, you know, catching small mouths, you know, large mouth and, uh, a lot of uh, striped bass too out there. Yeah, and, uh, I saw a couple of pictures with you with striped bass on your Instagram there. Yeah, no, um, those are fun and they're good eating too. Um, yeah, I think kind of from what uh, Silver was saying, you know, he, um, uh, keeping smallmouth and largemouth bass uh, for a lot of people, you know, is a big no-no. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, when I was young, I know my dad would watch fishing shows and they'd always throw back the small and the largemouth bass. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought, to me, that was just like, okay, well, that's just what you do. And yeah, um, I I knew like from what we're saying about Lake Mead is that the the striped bass are just way overpopulated there. Right. And uh, and it's kind of funny because uh, last week I went out there with a Ned rig, you know, and a Zeman worm, and I was, you know, you know, fishing for largemouth, and I was catching stripers. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's wow. going on here? How about you that? Know, so I mean, yeah, they'll they'll. Uh, they'll uh attack anything too so uh i mean fish is better than no fish so you know i was like oh, i'll take it but uh it was kind of funny absolutely yeah yeah and you mentioned silver there i just wanted to uh, uh throw out there that that was silver rogers he was our guest a couple shows back um on episode 43 so um he's he's uh one of the your fellow anglers out there and he had a really cool smallmouth story for us um which was awesome um, so the Ned rig, you said, um, that is a, is a pretty slow presentation, right? Are you using that kind of dropping down on rock piles and things? How, how are you fishing that out there? Yeah. So, um, that's kind of my weapon of choice right now. I mean, that's what I've been catching the most fish on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to see how it works with, you know, when the weather starts warming up. Cause right now it's, uh, for Nevada, it's cold, <laughs> but, yeah. um, so the fish yeah, a little so deeper, I'm, yeah, so um, basically what um, I kind of go into coves and, um, you know, I, in my fish finder, I'm about like 20, 20 feet deep. Okay. And I'll throw that out and I'll, I'll have it drop down. And then when I have it drop down, I have it kind of not too much movement, but just a little movement. And then um, I start 
kind of reeling it in really slow and it's it's weird because usually the bass are going to hit when it's, it starts dropping down but usually i have them hit once i start kind of reeling it in really slow which is a little weird but um yeah. also too i do throw it into a lot of brush and um i've caught some largemouth some decent sized largemouth with those too so um mainly yeah those are just what i've been messing around with and i've had good luck with them so far well, yeah, it, this is a recurring theme with uh, several of my bass fishing guests who mentioned that Ned rig, which I've never fished, and I I can tell I'm uh, going to be buying some when I <laughs> hit the tackle store next time. Uh, sounds like it's uh, too good not to put in the box and give a try. Absolutely, and uh, the, one of the mistakes because I you know I talked about making a few mistakes. One of the mistakes I made out like me, I was using too big of a worm. Oh, and okay. I read a, I read about that that. Uh, Ned rig, Ned rig, Ned rig. So I was like, okay, oh, let's give this a try. And I think the first time I used it, I went out to Lake Mead and around Calville Bay. And I think on my second cast, I got slammed by a nice uh, large mouth. So uh, mm. uh, I was like, okay. Major believer. Right. Yep. Yeah, so definitely. So um, I do recommend it. Excellent. Well, when we get back, Joe is going to share an epic freshwater story with us with a new species that we have not talked about on the show before. So I'm really stoked. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Here's a tip for you about sunscreen. I noticed that many of my sun shirts that I use for fishing were getting nasty rust-colored stains on them around the hand and neck areas. Unfortunately, it would not wash out no matter what I tried. And we all know those pretty fishing shirts are not cheap. As it turns out, that staining is caused by an additive which is in many sunscreens, especially the spray-on kinds that I used to use often. Thankfully, there is a brand of sunscreen that is specially formulated without that additive, so now those pretty shirts stay picture-perfect. Check out our gear page at gear. We have a link to this sunscreen for you there. Okay, we are back with Joe Horvath and excuse me, Horvath, and he has been telling us about some of that great fishing he got to do when he was living up in Seattle, fishing on the Puget Sound, and uh, now there in Las Vegas, the bass fishing, which uh, we're learning from several of our guests, is uh, pretty awesome as well. But this story, I think, takes us back up to the uh, northwest there and a different fish than one we've talked about so far. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what was happening on this trip and what you were doing. Well, um, me and my dad and a couple of his, his friends, we decided to go out to um, the Waco, Washington. And it's a, about a couple hours out of uh, Seattle. And um, we were going sturgeon fishing. We were going on a, um, you know, a little trip. You know, it was like a half day trip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we got out there and, uh, you know, water was nice, you know, everything was, was good out there. And, um, everyone on the boat, you know, was catching fish, you know, like I wasn't getting skunked, but I, you know, I wasn't catching like, you know, when you see pictures of sturgeon, you're like, all right, I want to catch that one. Yeah. You know, I was catching the ones that were like smaller, you know, they just, you know, they weren't like the ones that, you know, the prized ones. So when, when you say small, what, what would a small sturgeon be size wise? It was like 20. 20, 20, 25 inches, you know, it wasn't, okay. uh, you know, they're, uh, I think at that time to keep them, they had to be like 20 to 60 inches. Okay. Anything after that, you know, they breed, right, know, right. et cetera. So you got to throw them back, but, um, but you know, still, uh, good eating and stuff like that. So I, you know, we were 
you know, we were continuing throughout the day and, you know, uh, nothing happened for a while. And then I'd catch, you know, one and then, uh, you know, everyone was, you know, getting some nice sized ones, you know, taking pictures, stuff like that. So I'm just kind of like, you know what, you know, it's, it's still a good day. I'm out on the boat. It's yeah. a good day. Caught a couple of fish and, uh, you know, the skipper, he's like, all right, guys. About to... So I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden my rod just goes, whoosh. And I, <laughs> I see the rod and I run to it, take it up the hook and this rod just go it's just going right <laughs> in the water and i'm like and everyone's like uh hey joe come on get that fish in the in the boat let's let's go let's go and i'm like uh, i'm trying and I, I mean this thing was a rock i mean it i mean i thought my my rod was gonna snap <laughs> so wow. and i'm i'm fighting this thing uh you know and people are still you know like my dad's friends are kind of giving me a hard time like come on let's what <laughs> You know, you can't get that little 30-incher in here. Come on, you know. Yeah, real band would and, have had that in the boat already. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, you know, 12, 10, 10, 15 minutes go by. I'm still fighting this thing. Mm -hmm. Finally, they see this fish jump out of the water. Everyone's mouth just drops. <laughs> and I look at everyone and go, yeah, what now? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, man, but this thing, you know, once we got it up kind of to the, the top, man, it did not want to go in, and it just kept you know, ripping line it was just, you know, it was just, you know, me versus him. And, uh, I was not going to lose this fish. So, I mean, I, I just kept going at it and going at it. And I think after the total, I think it was almost 30 minutes that I, we fought this thing. Wow. We finally got it to the boat, it took three people, me, the skipper and his, his deck hand to get it up in the boat. We took pictures, threw it back. <laughs> and then he was like, all right, time to go. <laughs> but I mean, everyone was just like, wow, you know, that, I mean, it, um, from what the skipper told me, the size and everything, cause we didn't, we didn't weigh it, but from, he was saying it was anywhere from 180 to 200 pounds. Wow. And that's the biggest fish I ever caught. No and, doubt. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a great day because I mean, that's something I'm going to remember forever because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't catch a fish that size. And I mean, that was, uh, that was something special. Oh yeah. When, when you see people catching those on on tv it's just hard to imagine you know <laughs> a fish that big living in freshwater that just is an absolute you know dinosaur really you know they say yeah. they're they all, they're almost prehistoric looking uh, and just the way they fight and the power yeah that's that must have been an incredible feeling seeing that thing come up Oh yeah. And then, I mean, the skipper was like, Hey man, that was good fish. He's like, I'm like, you caught something like that before. And he's like, Oh, I caught a 12 footer. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? wow. He's like, yeah, that's a, that, for me, that's a good size fish, you know, I, but you know, yeah, I, I go after the 10, 12 footers and I'm like, <laughs> I, I could only imagine, you know? Yeah, no kidding. So, so tell me a little bit about the area you were in. So I presume this was a river and fairly deep water. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, how deep are we? I think um, I know probably about fifty feet, maybe. Okay. We weren't too we weren't too deep, but you know we we're, we're even uh too far out of the the bay or where you know where we went out. From what the skipper was saying, that um he didn't want to go out too far because he wanted to he wanted everyone to catch their limit. Mm -hmm. And from what he was seeing on the fish finder, you know he saw a decent sized fish, you know for you know, but he wanted everyone to you know take some home. You know, wow. have something to eat. So, you know, he, you know, where he said he goes, you know, he goes out farther. He goes out for the big ones. But, you know, when he goes out for the, 
for the size that he wants. You know, he's only, you know, he's only catching a couple, but he'd rather have more on the boat. Everyone have their limit and, you know, go home happy. So, right. Wow. I guess I didn't realize that uh, sturgeon are that prevalent that, you know, people catch them and keep them and, and eat them. You know, the only thing I've ever seen on TV is, you know, that people just catch these big giant monsters like you caught and then release them. But it's a, I, I guess it's a, uh, uh, a prized eating fish then? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I know a lot of people keep them, but yeah, they're only a certain, um, like I said, I think it was 20 to 60 inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a lot of people eat them, and they're really good eating, too. Huh. How it's about funny that? when you cook them out there, their meat will start turning a little blue once you start putting them on the barbecue. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, they're a really good uh, tasting fish, you know. I, I kind of uh, say they're kind of a little bit like a striped bass a little bit. I mean, not... Not exactly, but you know the meat and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just it was just a great experience, you know. So oh, I mean, no that's doubt. something I'm gonna I'm gonna remember, you know that <laughs> that oh. mon- trying to bring that monster in. So. Oh, for sure. It and I get I presume that when you're fishing for them, you're fishing with baits, either cut or you know live or dead baits, and fishing them on the bottom. Yeah, we were mainly using kind of like a like a it was like a you know like bottom fishing, like an anchovy, like a herring, something like that. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you know we'd use. Kind of out here in uh, Nevada too. If a lot of people for striped bass, they use anchovies also. And they, oh really? They just kind of drop them to the to the bottom. Yeah. Um, I mean that that fishing to me is. I mean I've done that out here. Mm-hmm. I've had luck, but uh, I I really like you know the casting out and stuff like that and keep it busy. Yeah, yeah. The anchovy fishing is fun too, but um, I definitely like to keep busy on, on the boat. And, uh, yeah. You know, keep moving. So. Well, that probably comes from your uh, trolling days up there on uh, the Puget Sound and running the outriggers, and you're always <laughs> busy or running the downriggers. You know, you're probably always busy yeah, exactly. doing something. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just hard to sit still and <laughs> and, and and fish with live bait. Yeah, I can I yeah. can understand that. Well, man, what an awesome story and an awesome fish you got to catch there. And uh, I, I tell you what, if uh, you catch anything anywhere close to that size in uh, Nevada, it's it's going to be a giant lake monster because uh, <laughs> those yeah, <I> <laughs> those fish are hard. You know, a freshwater fish that size is really pretty amazing. That's just awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was. Uh something to remember no doubt well joe i really appreciate you coming on today and sharing that story with us and uh wish you all the best man hey thanks again for having me on you have a good one hey you too man as much as i would love to fish every day like most folks i actually have a day job this rod and podcaster is a patent attorney during the week If you or someone you know needs help with any patent, copyright, or trademark matters, just drop me a line and I'd be happy to help. I have a sneaking suspicion we may even talk a little bit about fishing. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.